You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smoking Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. So what are we smoking this week, Brad? So this week we are smoking the Asylum 13 Medula, Medula Obligata Maduro. Hells yeah. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting cigar because it's the Medula Oblongata, but it uh, comes in a box of 50 with 25 Medulas, which is what we're smoking today, and 25 Oblongatas. Yeah, so they're the same um, blend. Um, it's just one is a box press, one is the traditional hand-rolled. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this cigar is um, really good. Uh, right off the bat, um, it consists of a San Andreas Maduro wrapper with um, Honduran Carrojo um, binder and filler. So, uh, you know, with this, um, I, for me, I, I'm getting, you know, a, a touch of spice, a little leathery, and a little espresso-y. Um, I am going to put this at a a medium full. I think uh, for me right now, um, I'm kind of curious to see if, um, you know, it, it's going to transition flavors as uh, we progress through. But, um, you know, just in the uh, the first third here, uh, I mean, it's shaping up to be a, a really good cigar. And as of right now, I would recommend folks to jump on this because it's inexpensive. And this is one of those that will end up having a... Uh, you know, cigar aficionado review, and will <laughs> yeah. you know jump four dollars in price. That's what it seems about you know how they go. Anytime something comes out and it's it's uh, it, it gets a rating, and then it all of a sudden like shoots up. And the only person who has not done that is like the freaking New World AJs. Those things pretty much stayed the same price regardless of <laughs> getting cigar of the year that one time. But everyone else is like, oh, now everyone wants but, them? I mean, We're going to jack the price up. Which I don't know if you know taxes on cigars and stuff have changed. But, I mean, I have seen a, a jump across the board you yeah, know, it's like in pretty the much last with, six months. Especially these like FDA regulations eventually going into effect and people having to being more expensive to produce cigars. They you know, have to make their money back somewhere. So, yeah, everything's been kind of creep. seems like they creep up a little bit every year. But uh, yeah, and I've had a few Asylum cigars before, but this is the first Medulla, and it's not so bad. But it looks like yeah, it kind of has a definitely like a, a leather and kind of black pepper. You know, from the start here, the the Asylum and kind of a like very smoky, like like thick clouds. Of yes, smoke. Um, a- a- Asylum to me is almost like. Uh, Oh, the company that did the the um, F55 Aging Room. Yeah. You know, it's one of the companies that doesn't get a lot of press, but when it does, you know, it, it turns out to be phenomenal. Um, you know, this is just kind of one of those little hidden gem, um, you know, brands to me. And uh, as of right now, like I said, inexpensive, quality smoke. Uh, you know, what yeah, more the, can you ask for? Yeah, the Asylum is a... CLE cigar. What was that uh, CLE that we reviewed? That was the I think it was like the TAA 
That one was a real good cigar. Um, it had some weird ass name. I can't remember. It was a, a TAA exclusive box press. But yeah, I mean, they they do. I said not a huge uh, huge brand, but they make some some quality shit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. It wasn't the uh, Azabachi. That's what it was. Yes. It was the the TAA version of that. Yeah, that was a that was a good smoke. And so uh, the reason why we're gathered here this uh, this uh, fine finally sunny day in February. Yeah, since we've been in the middle of a monsoon for the last <laughs> week and a half, is we're talking about. Some time travel, uh, an OG time travel experience, you know, because you know there's been a lot of a lot of stuff in the news lately about part three about to start filming here pretty soon. But we're it's kind of celebrating the thirtieth. I can't believe it's been thirty freaking years. God, we're old. Of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Yes, and uh, you know, absolutely a a. Big fan, you know the 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 comedy still definitely holds up. Um, you know it's it's crazy to go back and watch a thirty year younger version of Keanu Reeves, and you know we get to see the legend George Carlin, you know, and but freaking Keanu, like that motherfucker's an immortal. He's barely aged. <laughs> I guess uh, when you got the money, man. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. On the other hand, I saw a picture of them like today with like the announcement of the the. New movie about to start filming, and you know, Bill is is definitely a uh, a lot. I uh, can tell he's a lot older <laughs> now, but Keanu looks about you know like Keanu has always looked. I'm pretty sure Homeboy's a vampire. Yeah, I don't know. Crazy the uh, all the you know different cultural references that made you know the 80s so great and you know even throwbacks to uh doctor who with tardis and <laughs> which we'll get into all of that in the in the main no, segment we're getting into it right now but if you're gonna have to stay up all night and travel through time to pass your uh, history exam call in the strike force strikeforceenergy.com use your promo code cigarners for 20 percent off your order not only does it come in the big 750 milliliter bottle but it also comes in tiny little cool little pouches that you know, you can stuff a shitload of those in your uh, time-traveling phone booth, if you can even find a phone booth anymore. <laughs> or whatever your time travel machine looks like. DeLorean, whatever. It'll get you through time and space, or at least, you know, get you caffeine enough that you feel like you're traveling through time and space. Kick the can. Promo code SCARNER is 20% off your And with that, we'll be back to the future.
and welcome back. We're gonna go back in time. Oh wait, that's a different movie. Yeah, not the not the correct movie there, sir. Although, um, you know, I as a big fan of just music in general, you know, the the fact that these guys are you know metalheads, much like kind of reminded me of myself back in high school a little bit. Um, you know, excellent, you know, usage of soundtrack in these films. Yes. And, and, you know, they really put the air guitar on scale, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because, I mean, uh, yeah, 1989, uh, kind of the, the highlight of 80s metal. I mean, it was it was pre before grunge came in and made everything so super serious. Back when you had like you know, fucking Motley Crue and like just you know, you know, good like fucking fun metal, and then grunge came in and everyone started wearing flannel and everything got like it was like emo metal a little bit. <laughs> you got to be depressed and listen to Nirvana and. <laughs> yeah, I gotta but, say, I you know, I listen to a lot of Nirvana, but not you know. Due to depression or anything, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, like the the I, you know, the metalheads of the '80s, it was all about sex and money and drugs, and then shit got super serious uh, <laughs> in like well, the, the people the early that 90s. came along were like, "Hey, I can play an instrument, but I don't, you know, have a lot of sex and you know drugs right now." So you know, they had to create their niche, you know, <laughs> to lead them into. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, I mean, come on, dude. True enough. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Just like you know the the Bill and Ted's like room and like garage is just such a throwback to uh, uh, you know to the to the eighties, like the posters and stuff. It's like, yeah, this is like all the shit like you know me and my friends had hanging on the wall. It was yeah, well, either I mean, it was either you know- nerd shit or like metal. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, so much of metal goes into nerdiness and stuff anyway, but, you know, do do kids' rooms today have, like, posters and stuff? Like, you know... Everything's digital now. Like, (laughs) Like, I mean, we had shrines, you know, to our idols and stuff. Like, you know, I mean, I had, you know, an entire wall, you know, of different shit from skaters to bands to uh you know bmx shit and you know like you said nerdiness and and just like the the boxes of of freaking vinyl and cassettes and shit that piled everywhere like now it's like you know everything's in your computer you don't have like stacks of like you know because hell half the time the especially you know in the days of vinyl the the Albums themselves were artwork that you'd hang on your wall. Oh, yeah. I I definitely would take, um, you know, for me, not only vinyl, but, you know, especially once compact disc came about, you know, it it wasn't all that uncommon. Like, a lot of times, you know, in the little CD booklet inserts, they would have posters and stuff. Yeah, like fold-out posters. (laughs) You know, I think my favorites were, you know, being a fan of, uh, you know, a lot of death metal and not actually being able to understand the lyrics or anything were the ones that actually had the printed lyrics inside the booklets and be like, ah, I can hear it now. <laughs> yeah, especially with those, you're like, huh, what? Oh, that's what they're saying. Which, that's probably one of my favorite jokes from, you know, like I said, we're, right now we're going to be talking about uh, the first movie, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We'll get into the Bogus Journey in a minute. But that's probably one of my favorite jokes from Bogus Journey is when they go to hell and he's like, Dude, this is hell. 
we were totally lied to by our album covers, dude. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is nothing like hell. <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't know. It, it's kind of interesting to see the different depictions. And, um, you know, there was a, a, a show a while back, Lucifer. Yeah. And I think they stole kind of the idea of hell from Bill and Ted because, you know, it was the, you know, kind of the personalized chambers where you relive whatever your, you know, guilty moment is and, you know, just over and over. And it's like, you know, hey, there's a door you can walk out of at any time. Funny how nobody does. So that was a great series, by the way. Yeah, everyone just assumes the door's locked. You never just never check it. <laughs> well, I mean, you're so wrapped up in your guilt and yeah. everything else that you're just, you yeah, know. That's a mind fuck. Like, yeah, bro, the, it was unlocked. You could have left it any time. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yes, uh, 1989's uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, directed by Stephen Herrick. And, you know. A cheap movie for for the eighties, six point five million made forty million, which today that's like you know less than a Marvel budget, but still that was a very successful movie for you know nineteen eighty nine, and it's you know one of those things that like uh, this movie in particular kind is you know in the kind of the early days of VHS, you know became like a cult a following. It's one of those that you know. Might not have been, I, dude. I still hear quotes from yeah. Bill and Ted today. I mean, might not have been like you know huge at the time, or especially like the second one. But yeah, you know, yeah, it's kind of one of those that's like you know found its life on <laughs> on cassette and has gone on forever. And I mean, I can remember listening to uh, several punk bands. I mean, you know, of course, this is a decade or so ago. But I mean, you know, a couple of the songs like they would start out, "Santa Mass High School Rocks," <laughs> <laughs> you know, and. Uh, and for someone who did not discover uh, Doctor Who until, like, you know, much later, <laughs> did not realize it was all, like, you know, a, kind of a parody of Doctor Who, <laughs> nearly. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the, the great things. Is, I mean, there's so many, you know, pop culture references, and, you know, it was a stepping stone. I mean, like I said, folks today, I, I still hear... Quotes from these films still being repeated 30 years later. So, I mean, eh, no wonder it has a cult following. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's one thing, you know, because like I said, they they have announced that, you know, they're, you know, Bill and Ted 3, I think it's called Face the Music's going to be coming out next year or something, and they're about to start filming it. So much of this movie is the time-traveling phone booth. That <laughs> while Doctor Who's is always bigger on the inside, this one appears just to be a normal phone booth. But somehow they still cram like fifteen dudes in that. Well, they thing. turned it. They turned it on its side, so they used it as a boat. You know, yeah. I mean. But uh, and now in today's time of cell phones, like, are they still going to be using the phone booth in the new movie? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Anytime I, uh, I I venture past like the red phone booth or uh... that's like the only phone booth I've seen in a long time is the ones that are for uh, artistic purposes. <laughs> but have you tried to dial any other numbers to see what happens? Shit, I could have been time travel time traveling this whole time. I mean, there's one in Gibney's, like you know, uh, <laughs> you know. Oftentimes, things are hidden in plain sight and. I don't know. 
something to try. <laughs> yeah, other than uh, the freaking Which red, I wonder red if, phone booth, phone booth. I've like not seen a phone booth in years. You know, years. our friends across the ocean and a lot of the European countries, aren't phone booths more prevalent and stuff there? Or I don't know. No idea. I mean, I, I, I know seeing films and stuff. I guess I just got to go in person. Because <laughs> if there's going to be a time traveling, you know, uh, TARDIS anywhere, it, it's going to be somewhere in Europe. <laughs> then again, yeah, the... Yeah freaking phone booth showing up in medieval times and whatnot didn't really you know freak anybody out that much so as people be like yeah, look there's a phone booth I haven't seen one of those in years moving right along <laughs> that or everybody is in their medieval medieval garb and you know here these kids are you know shorts and t-shirts and stuff and it's like oh we're not even going to question them on their decor <laughs> yeah yeah the whole like rules of time travel very loose and <laughs> bill and ted uh freaking Excellent adventure. So, the, yeah, the whole plot of the movie, if you know, is there is a future where music is the key to peace and rock and roll brought us all together. And, and which, well, I mean, I, in the end, all we are is dust in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that, dude. Like, you know, they're, they're quoting so much poetry in it, you know, just different song lyrics, which I mean, poetry and lyrics go hand in hand, but uh, I was like, I used to do that. <laughs> like, wow, you're so well versed, and it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I stole this from the song that, yeah, especially isn't, like isn't pre, on the uh, top twenty five, you know, pop chart. So you probably never heard it, but yeah, pre Google, pre YouTube, you could get away with like you know using some lines on a girl that you stole from a from a song. <laughs> like, wow, that was that was deep. Oh yeah, but yeah, like uh, so. Uh, yeah, when they end Damn, up in... we're giving away all of our secrets. <laughs> Is that why my tactics no longer work? Hey, I totally stole a Deadpool line on my wife. <laughs> it still works. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can... Uh, like So uh, the, the whole key to them running the future is them passing. You know, If they fail their history exam, they're going to gonna, uh, be broken up before they ever tra- be- uh, become the famous... Wild stallions. <laughs> so, time traveling professor from the future Rufus has to come back and help the boys pass their test <laughs> by giving them a time machine. I think I need to do a Rufus cosplay. I tell you that Rufus from like the second movie, where for um, shit got so weird between the first and the second movie, yeah, which we that... won't get into. Like the like I said, they changed it, but the art direction of the future, everyone dresses like really fucked up. But like, and it was like it's all their shits made out of craft foam. Like, you, like I said, we get you some like you know a sweet you know craft foam suit. Uh, you could. Uh, I just gotta be get some future you know, sports glasses, and I'll be all right. <laughs> I mean, the first movie, it was pretty. It, it was kind of like you know, it's kind of like things uh, being circular. Where this really ripped off Doctor Who, but then later on when they brought Doctor Who back. David Tennant definitely ripped off Rufus with his costume. <laughs> it's like it's just like full circle because Rufus shows up wearing a, a pretty sweet suit and a trench coat, and then later on when Doctor Who comes back, he's like, "Hey, you stole our phone booth. We're gonna steal your sweet Rufus suit." <laughs> but did, you know, I, I think I mean, hell, Peter Capaldi was a freaking you know uh, had a guitar through half of his Doctor Who series it was rock you know rocking solos and shit. I mean. It's like I said, you know, 
one thing inspires the other, which in, goes back and inspires the original thing. It's <laughs> kind of wibbly maybe, wobbly. Maybe there's a uh, a wormhole in the travel of time. Two cigar nerds have got to unravel the key of you know quantum physics and time travel and all that good stuff. Whoa, that's crazy deep. <laughs> And something's a f- strange, uh, something strange afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> That's another thing. We don't have Phobos anymore. Do we still have Circle Ks? I've not seen one of those in a while. <laughs> is there not still one up in Dawsonville? Or is that sold out to become something else? Everything up there, I think, is like a country cupboard or, or fucking kang- kangaroo or something. Country cupboard. Nobody Which, knows what the fuck that is. Kangaroo may have been what the Circle K was originally. That m- might... I don't, I don't know the history of... There used to be one in coming back in the day when this movie was popular. We was like, dude, let's go down the Circle K see if we can find... Rufus. And you know what? Probably it was never even the Circle K. It was probably just okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's trippy as well. <laughs> oh. But yeah. Things you didn't know until 30 years later. That's like that stupid uh, freaking meme that keeps running. Like, how old were you when you discovered this thing? And everyone's like, "Today years old." I was. That's this is that thing. (laughs) Fuck, Circle K was just okay. (laughs) My mind's a little blown now. (laughs) And we'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah, this movie too. Like the, you know, not only classic eighties metal. It was California freaking dude culture. Yeah, like bro. The, like the, you don't really see it anymore. This like the dumb. It was stoner comedy without them being like officially stoners. So there's no drug use yeah, in this movie, but they're like, dude, bro. Yeah. I mean, it was surf <laughs> just culture. Dumb guy. Yeah, it's like I mean, weird dude. surf culture because you yeah, San Dimas high rocks. <laughs> Like Encino Man. Yeah, just like <laughs> the freaking Poly Shore 80s California surf culture. But, I mean, I, I still think that's relative to today. Like when Valley Girls were a thing. It's like <laughs> oh, I'm still, I'm sure they're still very much a thing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but the, like the first, in, in, you know, Going back and rewatching these so many years later, a lot of cigar smoking in both films. Yes. <laughs> that was one of the things that I was like, whoa. In fact, I wanted to do a little bit of research to try to figure out what cigars, you know, they were smoking, but. Yeah, there, there was never enough. You never saw a band or anything, but you had the, uh, you know, when they go back to the uh, their first stop in history, other than, you know, Rufus's quick tour <laughs> where they accidentally. Uh, hijack uh, napoleon <laughs> they're like instead of going back and studying history let's just go steal everybody and get them to like it's like the ultimate cheating on a test let's go get all these people and get them to present our stuff for us <laughs> but their first stop like the you know old west and billy the kid and like you know and he's like y'all are now going to be my poker uh help me cheat at poker and yeah freaking um bill sitting there smoking a Smoking a cigar while they're, you know, one of those little, like, freaking Clint Eastwood dirty cigars while they're... I almost feel like that was you and I when we, you know, originally started playing poker and I had no fucking clue what I was doing. And you look, nah, dude, you gotta have a poker face like me. But I got three aces! <laughs> yeah. 
dead, you gotta have a poker face. <laughs> Whoa, three aces, dude. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, are y'all cheating? What, me cheating? <laughs> I do like Billy, the, there's like, you're taking this whole time travel thing, like, you know, very well, Mr. The Kid. <laughs> and he's just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> you know, Billy's like, I'm not getting shot at, you know. We're time traveling now? Cool, let's do this. <laughs> Yeah, it's like everyone that they like jack from history, like, you know, adjusted very quickly to <laughs> being uh, out of their, el- you know, especially Napoleon, man. Napoleon just wants to go to the water park and, and eat ice cream because <laughs> he's a, a ziggy piggy. Dude, I mean, if you were going to go anywhere, why would you not go to Waterloo? <laughs> why would you not? <laughs> That's the dumbest joke, dude. It's like, it's like, what? You, you ditched uh, Napoleon? And that was the other cigar smoker in the film, the guy who runs the uh, bowling alley who uh, Napoleon's cheating at, you know, and they ditch him. <laughs> that guy you know, who throws Napoleon out of the uh, bowling alley, you're like, oh, there's another cigar guy. Yeah. Oh, but... Uh, Do we blame Bill and Ted for getting us into smoking cigars? <laughs> yes. Okay. Absolutely. I wanted to look cool like uh, Bill S. Preston Esquire. All right. <laughs> Ted Theodore Logan. That was pretty good. <laughs> you must have been practicing. Uh, we should totally get some uh, some bad 80s wigs and be uh, Bill and Ted for Dragon Con. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I'm definitely going to need a wig because uh, <laughs> you're like, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe genetics. Like I'm starting to get some gray in my beard that I'm like, I might could do a Rufus, but I'm like, I don't know if I can do like the, I don't have the hair for Rufus or the lack of hair for Rufus. Because, you know, he had the sweet ponytail, but it was like, you know. Comb back and <laughs> gone in the front, party in the back, yeah. You know? It's like the reverse mullet. Yeah, man. I mean, for you know, Carlin's role to not be as significant, you know, as it could have been. Like, you know, it's just awesome going back and still seeing, you know, just he's one of those got one of those iconic voices that you know. Not only was I a huge fan of his comedy and, you know, most of his works, but it's just like. Yeah, I mean, just you go back and listen to, like, his stuff. Like, the what is it, the seven dirty words you can't say on TV. Like, I think now in this, you know, god-awful snowflake, everyone's offended at everything culture, Carlin would still just be ripping people a new asshole. Well, you know, I, um. Was listening to a interview with a, a group of comedians, and you know they were saying that you know they were kind of struggling with content because you know a, as a comedian, a lot of times you're pushing you know social and cultural boundaries, and you know not because you're an asshole, but you know you're just kind of and they're like you know you, you can't be as you know risque or open contented as you know, let's say a decade ago. Yeah, because even, you know, we were discussing you know, some of the jokes from these movies would be, while, like, in the 80s were, like, no big deal, now would be, like, you know, super offensive. And, like, holy shit, this thing would get, like, protested and everything else because there was, you know, it's like you said, there's certain words you we don't use anymore. But, like, now I mean, that- which, hey, I, I, I get it, you know. You don't want to come off as just a... A racist or a bigot of asshole, right? But I mean, there's a lot of people that 
push boundaries that, you know, you see them out on the street or talk to them and it's like there's a difference between stage act versus in real life. And That's, yeah, like I said, com- yeah, part of comedy is, is being a little edgy and a little offended and pushing those – yeah, you know, the envelope, you know, to get people to talking about you. But then again, it's, you know, which I, I you and know, as people evolve, there's people that get offended about shit that happened 30 years ago. Like, it's, you know, like, you know, it's, it's not like, Oh, you said something bad today, but we went back 20 years on your, and you said something in a stand up act, you know, twenty years ago that now is offensive, so now today we're gonna like protest you and, and think you should like not have a career anymore. I'm like get it if someone's being an asshole like today. Cool. Fucking drop the hammer on him. Yeah. But shit said something way back then, back when it wasn't offensive and like hasn't done it in twenty years. Give the dude a pass. Yeah. It's fucking old news. Which is crazy because um, I just heard a story. It wasn't, I don't think it was the Pope, but like, you know, one of his underlings or maybe somebody that was in charge at one the point. The Pope. But, um, you know, it was proven that they had, you know, molested a child, but it was beyond the statue of limitations. And I'm like, man, for so much fucked up shit that we have, like, that people make an uproar about, but we're going to have a statute of limitations on child molestation? Like, you know. Yeah, if you're going to burn somebody, that's the shit you should yes. be burning somebody for no matter when it happened. But, like, you made an off-color joke 20 years ago, and now we're going to, like, get you fired. That's just freaking dumb. <laughs> yeah, it, it just, you know, certain shit, you know, with what I would consider common sense has just kind of gone out the window. But, I mean, unfortunately, we got, you know, a a large group of people that are more so worried about an an emotional impact more so than a factual impact. And I guess that's where I have such a divide with a lot of the SJW stuff because (laughs) if there's going to be one standard, everybody's held to that standard. But anyway, back to we'll, Bill and We'll Ted. talk to that, you know, a little <laughs> bit later. But, back I mean, to- I think, you know, a, a lot of the, the, the social social and cultural stuff, you know, is what made Bill and Ted so great. You know, I was a huge fan of Metalocalypse because so much of, like, heavy metal and doom and, you know, death and destruction and the things that make metal great. And at the end of the day, it's lighthearted and it's funny. Like yeah, but now that you mention it, yeah, a lot of like, yeah, like the dumb metal culture of Bill and Ted, very much like Squizgard and freaking Loki and and Murderface. I could definitely see these dudes like t- hanging out with Bill and Ted and having a conversation because it's like the same dumb shit. Although um, you probably don't want to hang out with those guys because you're probably going to meet a very brutal and yeah, because everyone know, everyone dies death, on, that, on that show. But oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, um, the freaking uh, as fun as their time traveling, like when they bring everyone to the future and leave them at the mall, because that is the center of '80s culture, <laughs> and all the historical figures get into shit at the mall. Dude, I went to North Point Mall the other day. Side tangent. <laughs> yeah, I was like, where am I? Like. It's not the place that I remember. Like, 
<laughs> used to be you could hang out, you were, you know, getting into mischief, and now it's like, oh, do you want shoes or jerseys or jewelry? Like They have three things. Yes. It's all gone downhill since the bourbon chicken place went out of business. <laughs> That was the only thing sustaining the mall. That's like the freaking lake, the freaking old Gainesville mall. That place is like a ghost town now. But yeah, the freaking Genghis Khan in the uh, in the sporting goods store is probably one of my favorite like sequences. Where he's like, "Hmm, War Club, aluminum baseball bat." <laughs> it's like sweet, <laughs> and then like the football the armor and stuff, and just starts beating. And then like you know. Runs from the cops that like you know using the the skateboard and the trampoline to like <laughs> kick everybody's ass. It's like you know freaking you know Genghis Khan adapted very well to uh, modernized warfare, <laughs> and then freaking uh, whatever Beethoven in the uh, you know rocket you know discovering the synthesizer and then <laughs> putting on a a pretty sweet uh, rock show. Yes, no, that was awesome, and I, I scroots. <laughs> can't forget about scroats <laughs> like they're so bad at history like <laughs> socrates <laughs> oh that was it socrates yeah not scroots but but billy the kid and socrates like macking on chicks the malls <laughs> hilarious and awkward and then freaking uh uh Sigmund uh, Siggy Frude <laughs> shows up and is like just screws on like geek <laughs> what is geek <laughs> oh but yeah the uh, the whole first meeting of, like, of I, I, I'm just having flashbacks to like world history why wasn't it presented in this fashion exactly I probably learned more about history from Bill and Ted than uh, than I did from actual history class. At the end of the day, it's like you know one of those uh, you know educational you know presentations that doesn't present itself as an educational piece, and it's like, ah oh, shit, I learned something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when they get you know all the shenanigans and it's, and that's when I say time travel gets really weird. This movie is when they're like all the historical figures got locked up, and we got to figure out how to break into the. Uh, the police station, but we need the keys. Well, why don't we just go back before till when my dad had his keys and we'll steal them then. And then we'll leave them right here. Here they are. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, we don't actually have to do anything. We just got to remember to do it later. And it's going to be here now. And like all the things that were like, so, and uh trash can and like fucking trash can. And just like, <laughs> like how did that happen? It just, <laughs> it's like, don't ask any questions, dude. It's just, it's just fun and weird. But uh, yeah, that whole their whole presentation too was just it was like a a freaking like that could definitely be a stage show if that was like a play of of, of the historical figures like that would be like the modern like freaking uh, rock show uh, uh, of whatever uh, Broadway Hamilton or whatever the big musical thing that right the Bill and Ted historical tour would be a badass live show nowadays. Dude, I would love to see a. A musical done in that aspect. Like, you know, that would be a very con-worthy yeah. experience. And just the, the Abe Lincoln presentation at the end where he's like, four score and 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Remember, be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! Ah... <laughs> uh. Oh, and when they accidentally go to the future, <laughs> and they're like, 
uh, hi. And like, hey, it's like, shit, we should say something like wise to these people. Like, why do we know to each other <laughs> and party on, dude? Yes. <laughs> yeah, too bad this is not a future test. We didn't bring all y'all with us. <laughs> but yeah. How did they ever get back? <laughs> That's what I want to know. They're, they're still in present day. Maybe we got to go to California. There's probably a, a badass mongrel still going down the water slide. <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. That wasn't Khan. That was uh, Napoleon. Napoleon. Yeah, they totally forgot to bring, bring everybody back. But then that whole, like, at the end where it's like Rufus shows up and, like, gives them some, like, weird necklace guitar- <laughs> guitars and no heads on them. It's, like, looked very futuristic. And, you know, had, he rescued the babes from Yeah, uh, dude, from as a past. guitar player, I. I was like, how do you tune that thing? That looks weird. The tuning keys are on the back. Ah. <laughs> but, yeah. But it looked very futuristic. Yeah, those are the headless um, guitars are, are something. I, I guess in a traveling you know, environment, because if one thing's going to break on a guitar, it's going to be the headstock nine <laughs> times out of ten. Not um, that I would know from experience <laughs> quite a few times or anything. But the epic guitar solo from uh, from Rufus is like, he's like, but can I jam with you guys? And he's like, you know how to play? Oh, I play a little. She just fucking shreds. <laughs> like, I wonder who, like, the stand-in for uh, for uh, Carl, uh, Carlin was in that moment. Yeah. Because it definitely wasn't his hands up that up close. Because freaking he just, like, destroyed. It was, like, secretly uh, freaking Eddie Slash Van or, or yeah, Van Halen or somebody. <laughs> it's like. We brought this dude in. <laughs> Just for this. I mean, they've got, like, in the second one, there's so many cameos. Like, because, like, this one was kind of, like, you know, under the radar. Keanu was not a big, or, you know, the only big name person in this movie was was Carlin. Uh, uh, but uh, in the second movie, since this one was so huge, there's, like, a lot of cameos. I mean, freaking Primus is in it. Uh, what's his name from, uh, was it Faith No More? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's in it. There's like, there's so many like, you know, like cameo from like rock dudes in, in that second, uh, second movie, which, uh, <laughs> and then when Bill and Ted tried to like, cause there's, cause you don't really get to hear them play any through the movie. There's like all this well, thing. No, that, you like, get your 30 second snips be like, dude, these guys suck. <laughs> yeah. Know? And at the end where he's like. Let me jam you. They just like fucking are like just horrible after this all the buildup of like these guys' music are going to like save the future. And then like I forget that he has that Deadpool breaking the third where he just looks at the camera and goes, "They get better, I promise." <laughs> Which was hilarious. It, it, the the same thing happens in real life when you get drunk and you start doing karaoke and I think I'm going to jam yeah. on guitar and it's like, yeah, we're fucking amazing. And then, God forbid, we ever actually record it and be like... Yeah, that's what we did at Dragon Con last year. We <laughs> filmed it and I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm so off key. <laughs> but drunk, I sound amazing. <laughs> Sober's I, like, oh, that guy sucks. <laughs> but I, I guess that's what makes karaoke a, a beautiful thing. <laughs> Yeah, karaoke is Japanese for drunk singing. <laughs> or tone deaf, one or the other. So yes, uh, this was wildly successful. And then in 1991, we got a sequel. The sequel that we didn't know we wanted. but Probably didn't need. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Directed I mean, by Pete Hewitt. Which, have you heard who's directing the, the third one? I have not. Is it the... Cause yeah, I don't know if it's the original guy or somebody else. I know like cast wise, it's it's the same people, but I don't know if it's uh 
you know, the <laughs> any any of the original team. Oh, uh, looks like Stephen Herrick. Yeah, which he was the original director. So maybe this third one will be a little bit. Maybe it's going to be like Ghostbusters, where it's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, that thing didn't actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go back and do that again. Yeah, this one was. I mean, it's. I liked it watching again, and like I said, it's one of those that's kind of. Gained a lot of popularity, like, you know, it kind of become a, a cult thing. But it's so different from the original. And like I said, it was made for $20 million, So they spent a whole lot. They're like, this last thing was successful. Let's put a whole lot more money into this one. And then it only made it made less than the first. It only made like $38 million. Well, I mean, going back and watching this one, I think, you know, the comedic moments were a, a bit drier and you know i i didn't find myself laughing as frequently in this one and then you know it was just you know kind of weird you know evil ted and evil bill and you know i don't know i mean <laughs> way to go evil ted <laughs> like good robot uses versus evil ro- i mean they went so like deep into the dumbness like the first one they were dumb but they didn't really like, you know, I mean, they leaned hard into playing them off as stupid in the in the second movie. Yeah, which I mean. <laughs> they were very Beavis and Butthead in the, in the second movie. Yeah, I mean, because I don't know. You know, I, I've always kind of been a, a fan of the the slacker, stoner, comedy type stuff. And this one just made them seem like burnouts. You know, not much, you know, substance. I mean, you know, which toward the ending of the first film, I mean, that was such a rah-rah, you know, for the underdog that picking yeah. back from square one, uh, dude, that that's a fucking mountain to overcome. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's been five years or however long it's supposed to have been time-wise. And it's like, We've done nothing with our... We still suck. Yeah, see, that, that, you know, they should have picked that up, you know, their, you know, senior year in college and, you know, fucking, you know, fraternities and, you know, sororities and, you know, fucking, you know, partied it up a little bit, you know? And yeah, and other than the, you know, and this and it was, was uh, Dave Mustaine. Yeah, that's... Uh, you know, from Megadeth. Because uh, they did the song "Go to Hell," yeah. But there's also like in the when the because uh, I know Megadeth's in it, but then there's uh, which I mean I, I don't know. I mean there, there's probably more. Fuck, I only know bands. I don't know the individual people unless it's like an Aussie or some shit. Yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, when you know this one kind of starts off in the uh, in the future uh, with the. Uh, uh, or well, at some point we we start uh, you know at the Bill and Ted uh, University <laughs> where Rufus is is having a, a history lesson and he's kind of taken the uh, the Bill and Ted model of kidnapping people from history. So he's got like uh, uh, who was it? it? Wasn't Beethoven this time? It was uh, was it Bach? It was it was another like you know historical musician, but then. You know, it had like a metal guy too, but it was, I can't remember who it was, but I think it was Faith No More, somebody from Faith No More. I know Dave Mustaine shows up later, but yeah, it's like, it, uh, but yeah, they've, they've done nothing with with their life. But, you know, it's where the first one was all about time travel. This one was, you know, there's very little time travel in it other than 
there's a kind of like very much Superman two, a uh, <laughs> evil faction. You know, instead of Zod, it's like some other dude who's like hates the fact that you know the the future is all peaceful and stuff. So there's another another moment in history where Bill and Ted can can you know, fail. So I'm gonna send back evil robot versions of them to to ruin their kill them and replace them and and make history the way I want it to be. And at that $20 million budget, I think most of it went into evil robot Bill and Ted because the effects on them were kind of awesome when they just like peeled their face off and it's all out of their chest. Yeah. When they open up their chest and there's like all the robotics and shit, that's where all the money went was on on that effect. And then the later, the good robot uh, Bill and Ted, that that was a pretty, (laughs) pretty cool uh, invention as well. Yeah, I don't know. One thing that we really overlooked that I think really synergized Bill and Ted was the uh, the affection toward Missy. Like, you know. Like, <laughs> yes. Because, I, mean, I, I, I mean, what, she was a senior or something, you know, married to, you know. Yeah, she was a senior when they were, like, freshmen or whatever and somehow had a thing for older dudes because she's, like, when she goes to watch them do their uh, – you know, do their test. She, she's like hitting on the uh, their professor, like, oh hey, tell him hi. <laughs> but she's now married to. Uh, she's like maybe four years older than they are, married to uh, Bill's <laughs> dad. He's like Missy, I mean mom. <laughs> yes. And then then the second film, or when like she makes him do chores, yeah, and the, uh, the the freaking all the historical people helping him do their chores, which was which was funny. But yeah, then later, like, oh, it's like now it's he's uh, left. <laughs> Bill's dad is married to uh, Ted's dad. <laughs> this is so screwed up. And like fucking Bill's, uh, you know, Bill's dad was kind of like, almost like the hippie college professor who was like, "Hey, man, everything's great." And then like now you see him, he looks like he's like, yeah, like a guy who's gone through a divorce. He's like at the birthday party, just like all disheveled and stuff. Like, oh, life sucks. <laughs> and like, <laughs> he's like, now she's my mom, dude. <laughs> Or when they when they die, <laughs> uh, and oh, uh, because yeah, of course, evil robots come back and kill them by throwing them off like the same cliff from the Star Trek episode that they're watching on TV, which was kind of cool. <laughs> and they they run they they freaking trick Death, who does not wear shoes, into thinking his shoes are untied, and give him a a Melvin, which is like anyone who you know from the eighties. Is worse than a wedgie because a Melvin, you got to get them completely up off the ground. You lift them from like both sides of their underwear, so it hurts everything. <laughs> and they run around as ghosts. <laughs> and when they uh they uh first they go possess his dad at the police station and like freaking that that was kind of a cool actor when when you know the the uptat serious you know guy who's played his dad is all of a sudden like possessed, possessed. by Ted. What up, cop dudes? <laughs> Sweet donuts. <laughs> Hey, we were, I mean, my son were killed by evil robot version. Y'all need to go arrest them, dude. Bro, they're not believing me. (laughs) What are we going to do? So then they possess the sergeant. (laughs) I guess that's a sergeant, right? I don't know. Yeah, he calls him sergeant at one point because they're they're all making fun. He's like, oh, your son's band's playing. (laughs) But but then they're like, that didn't work. Let's go. uh, Missy's got, because like I said, the the weird thing in the the 80s, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, his, his, uh, weird stepmom is now into, uh, seances. <laughs> so they try to go get help from her and she's having a seance and they're like floating around like a ghost. They're like, 
dude, I can see down her shirt. Dude, that's your mom. Hey, you totally can see down her shirt. Move over. <laughs> I feel like if we were ghosts, that's like, we just go around looking at people. <laughs> I'm going to go haul in a girl's locker room, man. <laughs> Teenage uh, ghost. That would totally move. <laughs> what would I do? I, I don't know much about the afterlife, considering I've never been there, but I don't think it's anything like that. <laughs> Could be completely wrong. Uh, but then she, like, freaking... But then again, we've been to all-girl colleges, and my expectation of all-girl college versus reality of all-girl yeah. college was a major disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where's the pillow fights and the sorority makeout sessions? <laughs> This does. This isn't. Uh, which I don't know. Maybe porn it's lied to us, man. <laughs> which maybe then again, or we just went to we the were, wrong college. <laughs> well, no. I mean, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, not there's dudes present, so you know we got to give this perception. <laughs> <laughs> like they totally started making out once we left. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I'm. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it was. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, them getting sent to hell, <laughs> and we we discussed how weird they're the per that like I said this whole movie was a total acid trip. I mean, it's so different from the first one. It like like I said, it, you know, not only tone wise, or leaned heavy into them being stupid, but just visually, like I said, this movie's like a total acid trip when they go to hell. And, and they start well, off- I mean, I think you you hit the nail on the head when you were like. It was very much Beavis and Butthead do America. Yeah. You know, I almost wonder, like, you know, that shot where they go to hell and it's so trippy and everything and Beavis and Butthead, if that wasn't a direct, you know, tie from Bill and Ted. Almost, yeah, because especially when they're, when they first, you know, (laughs) that stupid joke where they're like, when she, you know, yeah, they start freaking out when they appear and and start trying to talk to her. She goes through, like, her books of, of, you know, new age stuff and there's like dealing with evil spirits book <laughs> and she sends them to hell and they're like, we're falling. Ah, ah, ah. Man, this is a really deep hole. What should we do? I don't know. Ah! <laughs> this keeps, they're like, actually they go, why don't we just like roll over? Like, you want to play 20 questions? <laughs> they just keep falling forever. That was like the joke that just went on forever and just, it just got just weirder and, but funnier. And when they land in hell and they're on some like rock floating over this fire pit and they're like, dude, it's Satan. Maybe he can help us. How do we get his attention? Give him the devil horns, dude. And they're like, yeah, Satan. That totally a beavis and butthead move. (laughs) I mean, I think that's any heavy metal rock and roll move. I mean, you know, that's, that's a signature. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then they, and like I said, they end up in the weird hallways with their the the varying personal hells, which that shit got like legit creepy. Like <laughs> when Ted goes in the one and he's getting chased by freaking pissed off uh, Easter bunnies, and then you know they got the 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 them ended up in the 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 military school that they've been threatened with through all the movies and. The creepy grandma wanting a kiss. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> I, was I like, think this shit's like fucking. Weird. I think out of all of them, the the, the cringy grandma, you know, <laughs> was like, oh Give boy, <laughs> that, that was very much like something like out of Evil Dead. <laughs> I could see her turning into a deadite like real quick. Uh, <laughs> so then they're uh, you know uh, forced to 
attempt the one thing that they they escaped from, which was the only way out is we've got to challenge death to a game, which I think that's like been a reference in like you know other like like the whole the whole uh, thing of being able to challenge death is like a I don't know kind of a reoccurring thing. I don't know if this was the original one to come up with that idea, but but they're like, all right, we're going to challenge death. What are we going to do? Well, I mean, do, th- that's, that's the roots of blues music. Make a deal with the devil, right? I mean, well, I mean, not really the devil himself, but I mean, you know, you got the Reaper, the next closest thing. But and, I mean, know. the fact that it's it's Battleship, it's Clue, and it's Twister. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I figured it would have been a, like, you know... They've got to, you know, do a, you know, a freaking guitar off or, you know, like, you know. <laughs> like, like Tenacious a, D in the Pick yeah, of Yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> like, from the first film, that would have been, you know. Hell yeah. But then they suck. They would have totally lost that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the whole, like, we're going to have this epic battle with death. and what We're going to play Battleship. And, and death's, like, sweet little, like, you know, living room area. <laughs> and then death's a sword loser. We totally beat you. We got to do it again. What? Fine. Then Three out of five. <laughs> you mean five su- out of s- seven out of ten? <laughs> You're goddamn right. <laughs> do it again. <laughs> Finally, he's like, "All right." After he beats him at the twister, it's like, "Fine." You know, I'll take you back. And then they're like, "Dude, we're just gonna get our ass kicked again. We got to go somewhere where someone can help us." He's like, "Death, can you take us somewhere where someone can help us?" Like you've beaten me, and you're I'm yours to command. But you know, death played by legendary actor William Sadler, who's been in a shitload of movies. <laughs> Him as Goofy Death, which I I did not realize. I was like, is that Sting? It must be Sting. <laughs> which is funny is later on when when like the uh, the evil guy uh, links all the cameras uh, across the, to broadcast the the uh, death of Bill and Ted across the world. He's also the English guy. And he's like showing people from different countries watching the Battle of the Band. It shoots like an English gem. He's like, my word, what is this? And it's him. It's death is like, <laughs> gets to play a like non-death guy. It's like the same dude. It's like, <laughs> nobody's going to recognize me with all this makeup. <laughs> exactly. But she was like, you know, death is always traditionally the you know skeleton guy. But now he just kind of looks like uh, Uncle Fester from the Adams Family. <laughs> a bald, really pale guy. Uh, yeah, when they get to heaven, and there's like, it's like, to to meet with God, you have to be like, you know, wise or whatnot. And they just like jack three random people. <laughs> like, we're like, we're totally, uh, can get in now. Cause, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, we're in heaven and we've just like robbed three people. <laughs> yeah, this can't be good. It's like, we got to get out here before we screw it up for everybody. <laughs> but, uh, I, I don't know. I like it when they go in front of God. Yes, we totally, you know, mobbed three guys, you know, and took their clothing. And uh, we're real sorry for it. But <laughs> or they come back and they get to, like, the, the gate. And it's like, you know, uh, I forgot what question we asked him. It's like, you know, basically prove your wisdom. And he's like, they st- again start quoting, uh, <laughs> like, uh, it's like, every rose has a thorn. <laughs> And every cowboy sings a sad, sad song. <laughs> uh, kind of like when they, you know, first met Socrates. <laughs> yes. He's like, you know, he's like, you know, philosophizing and picking up the dust. And he's just like, we're all just dust in the wind. <laughs> I don't know. They got the princesses. Like, you know, 
I guess Mario could have taken a couple of notes and maybe he yeah. wouldn't have got to run around with your princesses in another castle. You know, she would have just been like, oh, hell, okay. <laughs> uh, Plumber's got there. an education. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Edgio. But, but I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it was weird. Like, you know, because you had factual, you know, or, you know, I guess, you know, I mean, you had the double, you had the Easter Bunny, you had Death, the Grim Reaper, but then you get Station. And it's like, what the fuck is Station? You know? <laughs> the I, only two aliens in heaven. <laughs> like, I, I just felt like, you know, it was like, uh, this is very men in blackish, and why do their butt cracks go up to their backs? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're just like walking assholes. <laughs> and there's like, they're playing charades with Einstein and <laughs> all these, like, you know, great geniuses, and they're like, uh, he's like, what, you thought the greatest mind in the universe was going to be human? You know, he's like, guess not. And he's like, hey, Martian dudes, will you help us station? Uh, okay, I guess that works. <laughs> and they go to the... That's definitely where the idea for Groot came from. Yeah. Station. <laughs> Groot. Groot station. <laughs> Who can, like, jump together and become giant station when they're, they are they can't fit in the van. <laughs> and start building, uh, you know, freaking robot Bill and Ted. Good robot, Bill and Ted. Yeah. Good robot, us. <laughs> I was like, they're like, you ready to kick ass? Rock on, Bill and Ted. It's like, <laughs> my wife was like, you know, they sound like Stephen Hawking. So I'm like, yeah, but this is the '80s. Voice synthesization like has gone has you know advanced you know a long way nowadays. <laughs> and now you know, freaking Alexa sounds like a person. <laughs> yeah, you know, but back in the '80s, everybody sounded like a speaking spell. <laughs> Whoa, speaking spell. <laughs> and then that the the epic fight scene that had been building up like we're gonna get robot bill and ted to fight evil uh us's and it's like they just walk up punch their heads off and then like blow them up with one punch it was kind of anticlimactic it's like dude we spent all this budget on that heaven and hell set and the uh the cgi robot stuff i mean Dude, they couldn't even, you know, afford real rings, okay? You know, they gave them the freaking plastic. Uh, <laughs> <The> old quarter machine uh, <laughs> rings. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it's like, oh shit, we're at the, we're at the, the epic uh, conclusion of the movie. We spent all the money on hell. Uh, let's just have them hit them twice and destroy them. <laughs> God. Yeah. And then evil bad guy finally shows up to like, yeah, if you got, if you want it done right. And we, we get a call back to the first movie. We're like, we got to remember after we beat him, we're going to come back and set up the traps that we need to destroy him. And he's like, sandbag. He's like, oh yeah, well, two can play this game. I went back in time and got a key and also another gun. <laughs> and then like the freaking wild stallion dreams flag. It's like, you forgot one thing, dude. Only who wins this is going to be able to go back in time. So we gave you the key and a gun. Just to, like, we're just going to troll this asshole. <laughs> Bill and Ted, the original trolls. <laughs> yeah. This leads us to trolls or asshole. <laughs> and then, you know, Rufus was there the whole time. <laughs> As a, uh, uh, he's like, <laughs> you know, turned out to be the, the lady running the battle of the bands, uh, was really Rufus there secretly helping him. He's like, and he's like, it was you the whole time. He's like, yeah, who else would have put y'all in a battle of the bands? You suck. He's like, yeah, that's true. You're the only one that would have. 
And he's like, shit, with all this that happened, we totally forgot to learn how to play. He's like, well, we have a time machine. <laughs> yeah. So they come and it's like, comes back with the princesses and they've had uh, babies. And like Bill has a, a sweet ZZ Top beard. <laughs> and Ted kind of looks like Chris Angel. <laughs> that was an intense 16 months of uh, intense training. guitar training. <laughs> and then they, we finally, they finally don't suck. And which that song, God gave rock and roll to you, like, it was a good way to end the movie. I mean, that was just kind of like an epic, uh, <laughs> epic rock song. That was one of the, the the high points of the film. I mean, it just I don't know. Like we talked about previously, I mean, there was a certain chemistry between Bill and Ted that was really lost in the second film, and uh, I don't know. I guess it just wasn't enough bromance. <laughs> and when they. When they jump to the the Battle of the Bands, the band that's playing before them, I'm like, is that fucking Primus? And it's like, Primus? I'm like, holy shit, it's Primus. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds familiar. Is that fucking Primus? <laughs> I like, oh, I haven't seen those dudes in forever. <laughs> oh. And then the whole, like, just montage of the newspaper headlines of, of them, like, you know, finally saving the world and all their successes. And it's like... You know, Bill and Ted play the Middle East. Peace is achieved. Death goes solo. <laughs> Which death became a gangster rapper for a minute. <laughs> I mean, dude, Ghostface Killer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Come on, so, man. Makes so much sense. And it's like, you know, rumored breakup, the Dow crashes. It was all a fake, you know, point the triple. And then at the end, they're like, the first band to play Mars. <laughs> NASA should totally do that. They should have, like, you know, play Bill and Ted on Mars when, you know, the first. <laughs> it's like the first people to land on Mars, we've got to play Bill and Ted. Yeah. Like I said, as weird as, as weird as this movie was and different from the original, it had a lot of great music in it. And, it, I mean, it did have some funny moments. It was just such a different movie from the original. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess the first one resonates with me more because, I mean, I, I could relate, you know, when I was a slacker at that age and everything. You know, the the, the second one just... <laughs> and Missy married the evil dude. <laughs> uh... Yeah, the, 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 the second one, I, I don't... I mean, the, the synergy was a bit different and just... I don't know. It just didn't quite resonate with me the same way. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was so, just, um, yeah, it was like the, it was weird. Yeah, like I so said, they just really played up like their stupidity. Too much trying to happen, but I don't know. I mean, I figured that would have been like your favorite thing. I mean, it's like the Terminator, the you know, impending robot doom. I mean, that's right <laughs> up your alley, dude. Man, ro- evil robot Bill and Ted, like, were kind of cool. Because, like. <laughs> I mean, that's that's really, like, going back and... I mean, when they start playing basketball with their detached heads and... <laughs> it's just, yeah. Um... You know, the special effects were the only thing I was really lacking. But, you know, even in... You know, they're, they're not great effects. Like, it works because, you know, this is one of those, you know, I I think for me, now that I really think about it, is the second film took itself too seriously. 
I think they were shooting for that same level of success of the first film or more, and they missed what really made the first film so great. Yeah, it's like the first film had kind of a... They were dumb, but it had like an earnestness to it, where the second one was just like them trying to recreate the first movie <laughs> nearly, and just being like playing Bill and Ted instead of like being Bill and Ted. I don't know if that even makes any sense whatsoever, but yeah, they were just, it was just weird the, the second time around, but back to the first one. I mean, as we kind of wrap this up, you know, did you have a favorite historical figure? <laughs> I don't know. As a musician, you know, freaking having Beethoven, you know, just fucking rocking out in the middle of the mall, like you know, <laughs> and the security guards trying to shut him down. Yeah, the I Beethoven, mean, and, the musical like Beethoven scene was like, I mean, he rocked pretty hard. <laughs> Why did they choose Beethoven over Bach? Probably because he had a weird name that they could they could mispronounce and and for comedic effect. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I forgot what they called him now, but it was fucked up. Socrates was, you know, I, you know, taking people from the past and bringing them, uh, another moment as minor as it was, was all of them going up the escalator. And, um, I don't know. Joan of Arc was also pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's Noah's wife. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, when they're when he's like giving him a, a test, and it's like it totally like just screwing it up. That was one thing too. It's like <laughs> they spent a lot of time in the Wild West playing poker with Billy the Kid, and the Socrates scene went on for a little bit, and then they go to medieval England and and fail to capture anybody. But that's probably like the longest historical time period they stayed in, which was like like as soon as they get into the castle, they're like. Oh sweet, we're gonna try on these suits of armor, and then immediately, what two dumb kids would have done? Like, let's play Darth Vader. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's dude, like, dude, we totally know how to sword fight. Yeah, it's like, zoo, zoo. <laughs> I am your father. No, dude. <laughs> and then when he like falls down the the steps, and then like, but I mean, they did bring somebody. I mean, that's where they got their princesses. But they didn't, you know, Rufus dropped them off later on. But at the time, they didn't bring anybody back for their for their report. <laughs> Oh, but uh, and then the whole like, I like, mean, I'm sorry, I, I don't think you're getting King Henry, you know, in in the TARDIS with the rest of folks. Okay, probably wouldn't have fit. Well, I mean, I think he would have beheaded everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but then the Royal English uh, English dudes is like, put them in the Iron Maid, and they're like, sweet. <laughs> it's like execute them, bogus. <laughs> and it's like Iron Maiden, hell yeah, where's Iron Maiden? <laughs> And then Socrates and Bill the Kid show up and, and, and save them. But that was probably like the longest historical sequence. And then after that, it was like, oh, shit, we've got to get all these other people and we don't really have a whole lot of time. So after that, it was just like them showing up and kidnapping people like over and over. It's like, it's like we're not going to spend any time in any of these other historical locations. It was like just like, you know, <laughs> you know, luring uh, freaking uh, Genghis Khan in with like, you know, chicken or whatever it was we got food <laughs> but i i don't know i mean just seeing the blast that uh 
you know, Napoleon was having at the water park, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and it was kind of funny, like, you know, it's like anybody, they get to the top of the slide and they kind of pause for a second. And they're like, oh shit, now I got to commit to this. And, uh, then once he does it, he's like fucking picking up the kids. Like my turn, my turn. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, come on, you got to try this. It's awesome. It's like, that was so stupid. Dude. Like, like shit, where are we going to find Napoleon? Got to think, dude, if I was Napoleon, Left in San Dimas, where would I go? Waterloo. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, it seemed like, like I said the other historical spots were kind of rushed, but yeah, it was just the freaking medieval uh, them playing Darth Vader and shit, and then <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was interesting. So as we wrap this up, any. Thoughts on here, Medulla. And I'm wondering if the Amgata being a box press will smoke differently. I don't know. Maybe we should try that on the next episode just to see the, you know, if there's any flavor changes, you know, between the box press and the hand rolled. Um, uh, For me, flavor has been consistent. Um, I'm going to say a a touch of spice, espresso with a, um, you know, some leathery notes thrown in about. Uh, You know, it has not really varied uh, greatly from start to finish. It's maintained, you know, a a relatively constant flavor. Um, It's not boring, though. I mean, there's a complexity to it that, you know, keeps you entertained. Uh, you know, one of the things I've got to compliment the cigar on was just overall construction. I mean, you know, beautifully hand wrapped. There's no, you know, noticeable large, you know, leafy veins or anything. I mean, it's, you know, maintained a very, you know, consistent burn. Um, I've been able to let the cigar rest and come back to it without any relights or anything. Um, you know, there was a little bit of plume on these cigars, which indicates maybe they've had a bit more time, um, you know, to mature in a, a properly humidified environment, which is just vital for, you know, longevity of cigars. But, um, you know, I think some of the other new releases that we've got our hands on, you know, may not have had the time to age. So we've had to do a lot more relights and that type of thing. But, uh Overall, for me, um, I mean, I would say 8 out of 10. And, uh, you know, if I'm looking for something, you know, not as strong as like a, you know, the Punch Diablo, which is what I typically go to now, uh, this is going to be, you know, if I'm on a day and I know I'm going to be smoking two or three cigars, this is my second cigar of the day, hands down. Yeah, because it's got a good amount of like, you know, strength but not like like i said not a diablo level of strength i'm definitely getting more like more of that you know coffee espresso flavor toward the end here but yeah it's like solid construction good even burn and it's a kind of you know consistent flavor throughout this is you know and at a a sub ten dollar price yeah like you yeah, know nine-ish uh price range it's a, a good everyday smoke definitely want to try the uh the other pressing of this to to see if that you know construction wise you know changes the experience any because you know there's not a whole you know flathead 660 is probably like the the box press i smoke the most of but rarely do i have opportunity to smoke a cigar that's the exact same blend 
but just different pressings, you know, either, you know, your traditional roll or a box press. So that's going to be an interesting experiment to see if that element of it changes it anyway with the, uh, the t- tobacco being the same. Because normally you get something that's a box press. There's not a, you know, uh, <laughs> a different, uh, there's different Vitola sizes wise, but you really don't get a, you know, a different uh, construction method uh, with that similar blend. So yeah, it could be a, a decent experiment to try and see see how that changes things. And with that, don't forget, God brought rock and roll to you, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. It's time for some science. And not like time travel, weird phone booth science, but, you know, actual science, or at least science I make up from stuff I've read on the internet. <laughs> it's on the internet. It's got to be true. Exactly. So, uh... All right, so, Crates, take it away. <laughs> speaking of uh, philosophy, uh, NASA wants to send comedians to space. So there's hope for it. We could, you know, be the first podcasters in space. I think the only people we're humoring or, you know, that find us funny are probably ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we just laugh, laugh and, at our and, own. And now. sometimes it's just, you know, out of sheer pity for oneself. But I think that's the basis for all comedy. Pretty much. Yeah, because um, there's a whole lot of studies and, and talk now about future manned mission to Mars. But, but I mean, if we're going to have space marines, I mean, they've got to have something to help them decompress. <laughs> But yeah, other than the radiation and everything else they're going to face, you know, it's roughly an eight month journey to Mars. So they're in backs looking at 16 months plus however long they spend on the planet. So there's been a lot of studies on, you know, what kind of effect of spending that much time in isolation with just, you know, a couple people, how that affects like psychologically. So you know, NASA's been looking at... I mean, I think all they've got to do for that study is just look at people that have spent a lot of time in, you know, isolation units in prison. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, the, the studies are astounding that, you know, you keep somebody locked up or cooped up for 23 out of 24 hours a day, you know. you got to have some amenities and some things to offset that. And they're saying, too, like, the... Biggest thing is going to be communication back and forth. They being that far out, there's communication is likely to be delayed, you know, up to twenty minutes, uh, you know, back and forth. And as an experiment, they delayed the communication with the you know, International Space Station for just fifty seconds, and they noted an increase in stress and a decrease in well-being and performance. 
with just that small, you know, delay. It's kind of like dealing with Boondocks Internet now. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, once again, I mean, if it's a, you know, you're you're troubleshooting and it's a life or death thing, I mean, that 20 minutes, you know, or whatever, that might be the difference between, hey, I have an oxygen supply versus I don't have an oxygen supply. But one of NASA's advisors, Professor Jeffrey Johnson, uh, has also has been studying. Hey JJ, I yeah. know that guy. And, and you know, not the NASCAR driver, uh, <laughs> but he's been studying uh, isolated research expeditions to Antarctica, and they found that you know they're trying to determine the best group of people for a a manned mission, and they're saying the most probably the most important thing is to have someone on the team who kind of acts as the class clown or the comedian of the group, having someone that can, you know, be funny and, you know, not only, you know, be humorous to his, but also kind of act as the butt of jokes and pranks and such. And they've documented several cases, even to like, you know, big, you know, uh, expeditions to the South pole in 1910 and, and, you know, Ronald, Amundsen, who was uh, one of those early explorers, like you know, said he you know appointed people to his team for their ability to keep people's spirits up. So having someone who is the lighthearted comedian of the group will make you know that long isolated trip in close quarters you know a lot more survivable. So importance of at the, of wise at the end of the day, space. you know, not so much of a wise ass that you know uh, I, I don't know what happened to that dude. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, it's important to be funny. So if you're a you know, stand-up com- comedian who wants to become an astronaut, NASA's hiring. <laughs> and you know, some of these scientists and stuff that we've met at DragonCon and interviewed have not been like the stuffy, uh, you know, academic guys you expect them to be. Yeah, you know, that's and that's... they've actually had good personalities and stuff. So I can see where having someone with a sense of humor when you're dealing with, you know years of isolation like this can definitely make it a more enjoyable experience. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the thing, you know, when we were first, you know, looking at, you know, doing press stuff and everything. And it's like, man, how the fuck am I going to relate to this, you know, NASA scientist and stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, like you, like you said, everybody's been personable and it's been funny and, you know, yeah, you're able to talk, you know, about a lot of shit that I know very little about, if anything at all, you know, but you've got level grounds and, you know, conversations just flow naturally. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye, who's, you know, done an excellent job of making science entertaining and not just educational. You know, so that's, you know, I, I could see where, you know, those type of people are going to, you know, excel in, in something, uh, something like this. Uh, and also, uh, we've we've had another his, speaking of spaceflight, another historical, you know, thing. We've we've talked a lot about you know now space travel is kind of going into the private sector, and one of those people uh, we've talked about, a uh, Virgin Galactic, uh, has taken the first passenger to space uh, with their uh, the tenth um, flight of their you know Virgin Galactic space plane, which is called. Uh, Space was spaceship number two, which they probably should get a better you know name for their for their spaceship. It's just this is kind of 
not very creative, guys. Like, you know, it's not a Millennium Falcon or an Enterprise. It's Spaceship Two. Yeah, it's but, the shit craft. But at the <laughs> at the end of the day, like you come up with one of those, you know, fancy names, and that's usually when you have catastrophic events. So, you know, maybe if we just keep it simple, stupid, you know, all will go without a hitch. <laughs> yeah. So not only did this uh, plane reach uh, higher altitudes and faster speeds than it ever has before. It's also the first time a non-pilot has gone into space. So it was a three-person crew with Chief Pilot Dave McKay, uh, which is the 569th person to travel to space, and Pilot Mike Such Mascuti, as well as Chief Astronaut Instructor and first woman to fly aboard a commercial spacecraft, Beth Moses. So she was the first, you know, person to hitch a ride to space. <laughs> so, you know... You know, it's it kind of misleading. We, you know, we don't have like we haven't had our first uh, space tourists, but this is the first time they've allowed someone up who was not actively involved in the operation of the spacecraft. So now we got three people in space. You know, keep working on it. We'll get a you know a full plane load of people, and maybe we can finally take that space vacation <laughs> and record the first podcast on Mars. Like man. Thought the boondocks was bad. <laughs> like this internet sucks. <laughs> it takes us twenty minutes. I mean, twenty minutes. It's, it's like trying to download porn in the early nineties <laughs> on a fucking dial-up connection. <laughs> but that's just for voice. I mean, you're talking. You know, you got to download. You know, something. You know, kilobytes. Like, you know, forget about streaming video. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like the old days when you hit download and then go to bed. And whatever you wanted to look at is there in the morning. It's like, I'm going to watch this movie. Let me hit download. I'll, I'll come back in the morning and like, oh, it's there. Cool. I can watch it when I get home from school. <laughs> and I just paid like $30 for this uh, $5 movie that I could have rented back in the dial-up days. <laughs> you go to download an image and it's just downloading pixel by pixel. Like, great. <laughs> and then you, it gets and you're like, damn, this is not the thing I was, I was looking for. It's something else. <laughs> so uh, you know anything about... Uh, cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, I know a little bit. Did a little bit of uh, Ethereum mining myself. Well, however that shit works, uh, <laughs> uh, someone lost a hundred ninety million dollars. Uh, I mean, hey, it's all digital anyway. <laughs> but this is a story about the importance of backing up your passwords, apparently, because uh, Canadian cryptocurrency uh, uh, exchange. Uh, Quadrigu CX, however that pronounced, Canadian-based uh, from apparently their CEO, uh, Gerald Cotton, who was just 30 years old, suddenly died unexpectedly uh, from complications of uh, Crohn's disease. But unfortunately, he was the sole person in charge of kind of operating the money side of things and... No one else has his passwords to the system. Apparently, all his access is locked inside a encrypted laptop that so far, you know, no one's been able to hack into. So currently, the $190 million worth of other people's cryptocurrency that this company was handling is apparently lost <laughs> or inaccessible. Around 115,000 users are, are currently shit out of luck apparently so far so yeah yeah i don't know a whole lot about you know trading cryptocurrency but that sounds like a bad day i know it really spiked up the price of uh ram and video cards there for a while <laughs> i think we're finally starting to see some of that shit level off price wise but uh 
Yeah, yeah the um, PC builders and gamers, you know, were definitely, you know, filling the brunt of that effect because, you know, video cards that were, you know, let's say two or $300, you know, were adjusted, you know, according because of the mining rigs and that three, 400 bucks was closer to a thousand plus. Ooh. And, you know, you had video card makers asking more than MSRP of said cards and um yeah it was uh it was a pain you know i had several people you know wanting to uh build some updated gaming rigs and i was like look you you gotta hold off and you know otherwise you're gonna buy this thing at three times the price and yeah yeah so so far the company what's left of their assets have been frozen by the government while they're you know being hit with several lawsuits from users but yeah, does there so far there's you know no good news for the people who apparently have lost all their money because someone didn't share their passwords. <laughs> Oops. So yeah, leaving that like you know sticky note on the underside of your desk with backups of your passwords uh, didn't sound like such a bad idea nowadays. No, I just I I encourage people to just use put that incorrect. shit on a thumb drive or something. No, nah, just use incorrect. That way, you know, when you click forgot password and it says password is incorrect, there you go. <laughs> Nice. Uh, and to kind of wrap up science, we, uh, you know, I, I often talk about evil robots and whatnot, but we've got kind of a, a sad story. Uh, you know, a long working, you know, Mars Rover opportunity has ceased to operate. Uh, so a lot of the, the epic videos and pictures we've, we've seen of Mars in, in recent years of, have, have all been, you know, from opportunities selfies, which are pretty epic, but apparently the 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 little bot has has stopped functioning. It it, it apparently it's it stopped functioning. You know, sometime uh, in June of last year, when a when a uh, went into hibernation, when a dust storm kind of hit the hit the robot and damaged it in some way, and NASA has been trying to reestablish c- uh, connection ever since, and finally has you know called it and given up given up hope of reactivating her and, and has, uh, you know, signed him off. But the thing is these, um, opportunity and it's, uh, it's companion Rover, uh, were only theorized to operate for 90 days and has been in service for 14 years, 293 days, which is 55 times longer than its planned lifetime, which is kind of amazing. Cause I mean, I'll have a phone that's obsolete in two years. Something that was was supposed to work 90 days has gone on for four. I mean, just imagine how far technology has changed in 14 years. Oh, yeah. And this thing has still been, you know, operating. It's like, shows, well, I mean, shows how good things could be made if, if <laughs> like, like, freaking, you know, they definitely build things to, like, you know, become obsolete so you'll have to buy new things because, I mean, this is just proof that, Shit can be built to last. I mean, what? It was the 1950s, you know, was most of the technology that sent, you know, the first person to the moon. I mean, a lot of shit. Yeah, I, yeah, mean, but, I mean, they had people, like, checking the math, like, manually because they weren't, you know, fully uh, convinced the computers were doing a good job. I mean, but then again, you know, to, to put it in more, you know, I mean, there's a number of operating system updates that gets handed down from Android and iPhone users, and you do the update because every company encourages, yeah, this is, you know, for security and improvements, but secretly, you know, it's 
draining your battery. It's doing things to make you think the device is going bad and force you into an upgrade, you know? So... Yeah, this this little bot uh, achieved a lot of science, which is weird. Fourteen years, it clocked about twenty eight miles of travel on Mars. So you think like fourteen years, it covered twenty eight miles of that. That's a lot of you. You you see so much stuff of like the study of Mars. You think we know all a lot of, but really like we've only traveled fourteen miles or twenty eight miles. <laughs> I mean, there's still gonna be a lot of stuff up there that we don't know about. But yeah, you know. I mean, opportunity was the first one to, you know, discover the presence of or the evidence that water was once on Mars. You know, our first, you know, atmospheric testing of Mars. I said a lot of the advancements in what we know of Mars have come from opportunity. Uh, and so it's it's kind of a famous little bot, and he's he did a lot of work in his fourteen years. <laughs> To that, we raise a toast. Cheers. And with that, we'll be right back. Yes, yes, hello. Let's talk about the Flopcast. Every week, we give podcast listeners a chance to come and join us in Chicken Town, Where we talk about Saturday morning cartoons, comics and science fiction conventions, music and concert reports, 70s and 80s pop culture, and for no good reason, chickens. Boy, we're weird. Oh, we are ridiculous. We're proud members of the ESO Network, and you can find us at Flopcast.net. And now it's time for all things nerdy and nerd news. And welcome to Nerd News. Yeah, news. All right, so uh, first up, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, Fuck yeah. We got a new TV spot, which actually shows a lot more destruction and how large scale everything is. Um, did nothing but just make my anticipation for this film, you know, tingle that much more. Um, but the other thing was we've got a new release date. And unlike most release dates where something gets delayed, we're actually going to get this film three months sooner. Hell yeah. Um, so originally the release date was scheduled for May 22nd of 2020. Um, a, a little film for the Fast and the Furious franchise is set to also come out that weekend. So I guess, you know, to... Calvin and Hobbes or whatever it's called. Yeah. You know, Shank and Hobbes or whatever it is. Shab and Hobbes. Um, you know, <laughs> Slob and Hobbes. I don't know. You know. No, it looks nothing like Fast and the Furious, but I digress. Um you know, the new release date for Godzilla is going to be March 13th of 2020. So almost like a uh, a little bit of a, you know, belated birthday present for myself. Yeah, for the, for what we've seen of, of I mean, the, the f- first new American Godzilla movie was, was pretty good. But yeah, it focused mainly on the people and not Godzilla, where this looks more like a modern effects classic Godzilla movie yes. <laughs> I mean, with like the big, the big monsters and shit. Well, I mean, this is definitely, you know, going to be up there, you know, with the, with the Kaiju, um, you know, so, I mean, you know, we had King Kong, uh, King of the monsters versus giant Godzilla. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be freaking awesome. I mean, it's anything's going to be, be better than the, uh, you know, what was it? The freaking, 
Puff Daddy or whoever it was. Oh, uh, the oh yeah, that oh Godzilla two thousand. Yes, uh, it was Puff Daddy Led Zeppelin shit. <laughs> yeah, that Godzilla two thousand was horrible. He looked like a freaking lizard, like a gecko. It was a <laughs> it was like an evil iguana, not did not look anything like Godzilla. I mean, a gecko, Geico, whatever. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we talked about you know the Bill and Ted duo. There's another duo um, that really strikes a special place in my heart. Uh, you know, those two guys, you know, Jay and Silent Bob. Um, you know, really love the Kevin Smith, Jason Muse duo. Uh, apparently, um, based on some information, this reboot is going to be hitting theaters really quick-like. Because um, yeah, I think filming just begun or is about to begin from what I've seen on yeah, Kevin's I mean, it was Instagram basically, and Twitter and you stuff. You know, a, a week or so ago, Kevin Smith announced that, hey, we're, we're starting to film the next movie. Um, however, you know, it was asked, you know, if, you know, the the film was... Um, he Kevin Smith basically appeared on the Mike Carletta show... Um, and drop some shocking news for, you know, the fans of the view ask you inverse. And he was asked, you know, when Jay and Silent Bob was finishing shooting, would fans have to wait a year or two before it finally hit theaters? And Kevin Smith basically said, um, it's coming later this year. Sweet. So, um, you know, I mean, it was kind of delayed because of his, I mean, they were supposed to start shooting this earlier, but because of his heart attack, things got kind of, delayed so it I, i'm assuming they're rushing so they're getting a later start but i guess they're probably still trying to hit their original release date but then again jay and silent bob's not a huge effects driven movie so <laughs> editing and whatnot well, probably mean, not going to take as long let's as, just you know to kind of you know kevin smith you know put it in perspective and he said you know that the first clerks movie had a 21 day shooting schedule the movie utilized limited locations um you know, on a budget of $27.5 million. The budget for Jay and Silent Bob is, quote, vastly more than that, um, but the shooting schedule is still sticking to 21 days. Much like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, there should also be uh, vastly more locations as, you know, this is going to take place in Hollywood, um, again, to stop a production of Blunt Man and Chronic. Uh, so... Same shooting schedule, you know, he did say that this is going to be different um, because he's got so much more experience now while Clerks was his first movie. So, you know, he, he promised a lot of surprises, said there'll be numerous guest stars um, appearing, but, you know, should remain consistent with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which... Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad it looks like this thing's actually happening because, uh, you know, they're starting to shoot. Because, unfortunately, Kevin, like, you know, exists in the podcasting universe. So we hear about stuff way early on in the development phase, usually. And then, like, happens all the time in Hollywood. Stuff doesn't get made. Yeah. You know, but most of the time we don't hear about that shit because it's not frontline news. But Kevin is so verbal with his fans. He's like, yeah, we're making Clerks 3. Oh, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm doing a freaking uh, whatever. Uh, oh, shit, what was the other sci-fi thing he was doing? Uh, 
Buck Rogers, not Buck Rogers, uh, Buck, Buckaroo Banzai. Yep. Making a Buckaroo Banzai series. Oh, that's not going to happen. So it's like, I'm, I'm glad he's finally like announced the thing and he's, it's actually happening. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> we're you not know, getting these false starts that we've, we've gotten basically, <laughs> in you the know, last to, couple to years. put everything in perspective and to summarize, um, you know, less than a month to shoot. That gives Kevin Smith five months to edit and finish the movie, um, which doesn't seem like a whole lot of time. I mean, it's been, what, three years since, you know, and and a heart attack, you know. Yeah. Let's say what, too, is so, Kevin is like a, you know, he's an editor himself and edit usually edits his own movies. So it's one of those things, like, the more stuff he gets to do in-house and doesn't have to, you know have other people doing for him. It's like, yeah, it's probably a lot quicker when he's the one when, yeah. when it's kind of like, you know, all in, all in one house instead of, you know, being part of a big studio thing that having to deal with several different you know offices and whatnot. So, um, you know, look for Jay and silent Bob, the reboot for, you know, a fall release. Sweet. At the moment anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Moving, um, right along here. Uh, Hugh Jackman, was awarded a Guinness um, World Record for basically being the longest acting um, live action person to play a superhero. You know, he has played the Wolverine character now for, uh, at the time of this article, 16 years, 228 days. Who's counting? <laughs> um, you know, so huge props there, but, uh, you know, one of the funnest. Funny things is, um, you know, Ryan Reynolds and um, Twitter is a great platform, you know, <laughs> for shenanigans. So, you know, he... he Those two's back and forth yes. is, is hysterical. Um, so basically, you know, Hugh Jackman had posted, uh, we are in, you know, and had a picture of the, uh, you know, world record certificate. So Ryan Reynolds, you know, comments for what? Fingernail length? Lex, <laughs> <laughs> like, did you see the the ad they did for his gin company? <laughs> I don't know if I saw that or not. Apparently, Hugh Jackman has a a uh, coffee company, and so they did a thing where they're like, "We've we've called a truce to our 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 prank war and stuff we've been having, and we've agreed to make a commercial for each other's companies." So Ryan Reynolds like does this like just epic coffee commercial like you know it looks like it's like filmed in columbia like expensive high quality commercial and then uh you know and then hugh does his and it's basically like he like takes drinks like this is bullshit and it's kind of like just pours it out on a table and stuff like that and he's like i I didn't think the truce was serious (laughs) 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 it's like this is crap. This poor thing. <laughs> He's like, no, I spent like millions of dollars on your commercial. He's like, I, I, did, I didn't think the truth. Was I did I'm sorry. Know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was hilarious. Oh yes. But I mean, you know, that's, that's great, man. Get away from the politics, the seriousness. And, you know, I, I you know, I love to see actors and actresses, you know, poking fun at one another, you know, and <laughs> having, you know, fun in their characters. And I mean, shit. We need more of that. Um, all right. A little bit of horror news. Did yeah, you, horror news. You know George Romero had a unfinished Living Dead novel? What? Yep. So, yes, apparently he was working on a novel, and, um, you know, he passed before 
ever completing or finishing it. Well, we now have a release date. Um, so this film, or I'm sorry, this book rather, <laughs> is, you know, going to have the, you know, zombie genre, everything else. Um, the Living Dead will be, you know, released um, and printed a page by Tor um, Publishers. Um, Daniel, uh, I believe the last name is Kraus, um, has kind of completed the book, you know, so, um, it was Kraus who revealed on Twitter that the novel would finally see the light of day. He did so with a photo of him wearing a scarf, which was a gift from Romero's wife. Um, you know, Kraus is the author who penned the novelization for Guillermo del Toro's, uh, The Shape of Water. Interesting. Yep. So, um, Maybe we'll get some good zombie stuff. I mean, I don't know. The last couple of years, zombie culture seems like it's kind of it was huge. But it's kind of like running to the. I well, mean, Walking I mean, Dead has kind of gone on like far uh, too long. I, I, you know, un- unfortunately, and but in I'm fact, always down I for think some good there was some. I, I didn't see who. I can only presume it's either you know Carol or maybe Daryl. But I did see that there is a you know another lead character. Um, leaving the show uh spoilers for anyone who didn't know i guess i don't know yeah, i haven't you know i, I, I haven't, haven't watched, watched it the last you know, couple seasons yeah a couple of seasons now it's um, kind of got burned out but then again you know zombie land 2's starting production here in georgia so yeah, maybe we'll get a, a resurgence of some good zombie stuff <laughs> yeah so i mean you're you're definitely going to you know have zombies i mean you know this goes to say um, I'm not going to read the full synopsis, but spread across three separate time periods and combining Romero's biting social commentary with Kaus's gift uh, for beautiful and grotesque, the book rockets forward as a zombie plague explodes and jurors and, you know, finally, and a shocking final act begins to radically change. So, um, basically, this, uh, you know book is set to hit shelves june 2020 uh from tour books be worth a read yes um uh, you know i i actually don't mind reading i i I like it because it allows you to you know use your imagination you're not relying on visual cues you're able to you know form your own view of how things shape and uh i've never read any i'll take that back there's been some but yeah, a zombie usually so much like visual to that that yeah you know, I've, I've never read like a zombie novel, so I'm wondering if that's going to have the same <laughs> same draws as movies and comics. But I'll give it a try. It's it's Romero. Absolutely, uh, something else to give a try. Um, you interested in Dungeons and Dragons at all? Yeah. <laughs> you interested in Stranger Things at all? Hell yeah! Well, Stranger Things is becoming a Dungeons and Dragons game. <laughs> So, um, you know, welcome to the uh, tabletop RPG world, Stranger Things. Um, it's kind of fitting. <laughs> so, you know, Hasbro is going to be releasing Stranger Things, the Dungeons & Dragons starter set, in May. Uh, basically, um, it was made during Tour Fair in New York. It will have all of the items players will need to start their adventure in the Upside Down Um 
fans will get a kick out of this. There's also a great way to introduce folks to the world of Dungeons and Dragons, which, you know, I would, I remember kind of playing Dungeons and Dragons a little bit as a kid, but not on any kind of serious or long-term level. Yeah. So, you know, this might be something, you know, fun, worth jumping into. Uh, basically, you're able to pick different avatars inspired um, by the characters, including the um, Will the Wise, Dustin the Dwarf, um, <laughs> the Demogorgon. Um, you know, it includes uh, the Adventurer Rulebook, uh, Five Stranger Things Character Sheet, Six Dice, Demogorgon Figure, and Paintable Demogorgon Figure. Ooh. <laughs> um, you know, should retail for twenty four ninety nine. It will be available first as of May first of this year. Sweet. So be sure to check on you know retailers. Um, okay. In closing, uh, Brie Larson. I think she has done the worst job of doing anything superhero. I, you know. Her activism and everything else, I think, is seriously becoming a thorn in Marvel's side. Um, you know, she's made a, a number of comments that, you know, have, uh, you know, you know, some folks will say, oh, it's trolls. Some people will say whatever. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I don't think PC Star Wars went over well at all for Disney. <laughs> And, you know, taking a Captain Marvel character with somebody with a activist mindset and trying to shove PC crap down people's throat all over again, I don't think is going to bode well for the Marvel Universe. I, you know, the, the more I'm digging into this, the, the more and more I go see superhero movies to get away from all the political bullshit. Yeah, I... Um, you know, from, from what I'm seeing... like. I'm I'm now just absolutely turned off. You know, there was a point where, yeah, I saw the trailer originally. Hey, it looked pretty cool, but the special effects kind of seem lacking. But hey, you know what? It's Marvel. I'll give it a shot. Now I'm just like, who the fuck is Brie Larson? And fuck this girl. Like, you know, I don't want your feminist ideas shoved down my throat, so I'm just going to opt out of seeing your movie. I've not listened to any of the... Like, at this point, I don't look at anything political. I'm so sick of like any anybody's opinions at this point. That, well, I mean that's the thing. Like, so I've, at, the, I've not, at the end of like, the day, even like, like heard of anything Brie Larson has done. So I, I don't even know what her opinions are. So, but the same, it's, it's a freaking Marvel movie. Yeah, I'm gonna see it. <laughs> it's not a DC yeah. movie. <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, you know, I mean, not necessarily due to you know her but just just as a person like you know fucking get these people out you're the end of the day you're an entertainer you're there to entertain me your ideas your philosophies they don't mean shit to me either you're a good or you're a bad actress you know if i like you i'll see your films if not you know but i'm just kind of sick of the social justice warrior nonsense you know bullshit and what i go to get away from all of that end of rant <laughs> no, it's a movie with Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> we'll see it. I don't know. At this point, like you know, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, the the cat goose are the you know the overwhelming factors that you know make this seem worthwhile. I mean, the name the name of cat goose. 
that should be enough reason to see the movie. <laughs> And to see the cat take Samuel Jackson's eye, that's I gotta, may see it. It's totally going to be a thing. But you know, it's when it's you know available to stream and you know whatever. You know, I'm not going to fork out a whole bunch of movies. You know, I mean, basically, you know, they're. I think you know originally this film was projected to do like 180 million. I think now they're down to 80 million. Looking at the Rotten Tomato, you know, yes, hey, things, are you a- interested in seeing this movie? Have gone from like. I don't know, 60% now down to like the low 40%, which is actually, I think, the the lowest score, even out of that bad Hulk movie that we got. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, like I said, I've not been following any any of the political stuff, so I have no idea what yeah. what she's been Being in nerd news, unfortunately, you know, <laughs> that, that shit but I did see that surfaces. And, and, to, and to like the thing I've, I've kind of applauded Marvel on is the not giving away the whole story in in ads and whatnot. So like I said, I've not really dug any deeper than what trailers have been on. But I did see that the Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which I didn't read the whole article, but just saying that the early kind of reviews is this is forecast to be like the lowest uh lowest producing Marvel movie. And I think at this point too, there's like we all just want to see Endgame. <laughs> it's like Ant Man Cool. That was you know it. It kind of happened. If you, you know, it kind of happened simultaneously, and it, it happened right after freaking Infinity War. But now it's been a year. We're like, I just want to get to Endgame. I just want to yeah. see how this fucking wraps up. Like this is it, and to be a origin story, new character. That's we're definitely not going to get anything except for maybe a post credit scene. That's going to be a clue as to what's going on in Endgame because this is taking place before everything. And I want to see Coulson back on the big screen. But, yeah, I'm like, can we just skip this and jump to May so I can see fucking Endgame? <laughs> yes. Without having a bunch of political shit shoved down our throats in the process. That's all I want is, I know, mean, keep fantasy fantasy and keep real world bullshit out of it. I'd almost rather have seen them do what they did with... Uh, I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming, where well, they introduce her in the main movie, and then we get a jump back to a solo film. That I'm, I'm or, like, this is just one more film I have to sit through before I can watch Endgame. <laughs> that or, you know, now it'll be, oh, yeah, we're going to do Scarlet Witch before this now. <laughs> like, who knows? I don't know. She's got, uh, I'd sit through a Scarlet Witch movie. <laughs> they did say that uh, Scarlet Witch is not getting an R rating. Damn it. Oh, no, the Black Widow? Or, yeah, maybe Black Widow. I don't know. Because so far there's not a... Well, I think Scarlet Witch is getting a TV show and that new Disney streaming thing, but I've not heard of a solo Scarlet Witch movie. Yeah, I guess that's uh, other... Well, no, I think maybe we touched on that, that you know, Punisher and everything else has officially got the axe. Yeah, I think we talked about that. Sad note. Yeah, we knew it was coming eventually, but... But, you know, we got a couple of years to cool off and men from it. <laughs> and then it'll probably come back on Disney's service as soon as they, they can. But with that one last thing, anyone who has bought a overly priced lightsaber at Dragon Con, lightsaber dueling is now an official sport. <laughs> Damn it. So now i got to get a combat-ready saber? Yeah. The French F- Fencing Federation, old Triple F, has recognized lightsaber dueling as an official sport with rules and competitions and everything else. So now it's not just something nerds do in high school gyms. It's going to be like an official sport with rules and whatnot. 
apparently, you know, you got to have a light up lightsaber polycarbonate blade, like, you know, the combat ready ultra saber, saber forge stuff you get. Uh, and it's basically the rules are much like, you know, kind of fencing. It's a, uh, will be three minute matches. Uh, points will be awarded depending on where you strike the body. We're, uh, hitting, uh, there's definitely gotta be a rule for severed hands. Yeah. Hitting head or body gets you five points. Arms and legs get you three points and hands get you just one point. First person to 15 points wins. If the match is over three minutes, then the person with the highest score automatically wins. So that should be, and then you're going to have to wear like armor and helmets kind of like Kendo. But yeah, I mean, I'm always looking for another martial arts society. Like I mean, we, they, we start getting some uh, lightsaber gems opening up. I, like I said, I may have to join another uh, martial arts. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just to know, justify that expense of that lightsaber I bought. <laughs> suddenly nerds and geeks everywhere have, you know, where people are counting, you know, steps on Fitbits and everything. Now there's going to be like a, you know, hilt bit or something. And, you know, how many strikes? <laughs> well, we've you know, had, that's going to be the, the, the new thing that gets, you know, everybody active. We had Pokemon go getting people up off the couch. Now it's going to be, <laughs> Hey, I can do this real thing. <laughs> I mean, we, we've got the dragon con wrestling. We've had the dragon con battle bots. How soon before we get like, and we even had the, uh, the full metal night fighting last year at dragon con. How soon before we get lightsaber dueling as an official Dragon Con event? <laughs> God, you're talking about a sold out event. <laughs> People are gonna get their ass kicked. It's gonna be great. And Dude, with that, that, that would, that's something like I could. And Dragon Con has mysteriously taken over Mercedes Benz Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! You know we now have the Dragon Con Arena. <laughs> I mean, there's always a whole bunch of people that freaking Ultra Saber or yeah, I think it's Ultra Saber uh, booth buying stuff at Dragon. Con. <laughs> you imagine they're like, you know, hey, that thing you bought. Come watch people actually fight with it <laughs> or have some fighting classes. Yeah, that'd be some awesome panels. So with that, check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CigarNerdPod. Uh, get your energy drinks at StrikeForceEnergy.com, promo code CigarNerds. Get your shirts at RealMansSmokeCigars.com or our Zazzle store. Link is on our Facebook page and our website. And with that... Be excellent to each other. And party on, dudes! And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We are your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.